I love this segment because we we get a chance to connect with leaders in the community, find out a little bit more about who they are, what they do, and how they feel about the current state of the city. Today, my guest is Nikki Gill. She is the co-founder of Diddy Hood, a mentorship program for South Asian women in media, arts, and creative industries. Welcome, Nikki. Hi, good morning. So first of all, what does Diddy Hood mean? Yeah, so the word Didi is typically sister or older sister in a lot of South Asian languages. So when we put together Didi Hood, it was a play on the word sisterhood to kind of be a, a unifier of the collector, collective that we were creating. And I'm assuming you saw a gap in mentorship of South Asian women and you felt like this was something that you and your co-founders could fill. Yeah, absolutely. I have two co-founders, uh, one also based here in Toronto and one based uh, in Vancouver and Kelowna over on over in BC. And uh, the three of us all went to journalism school together uh, well over a decade ago now. And while we were going through that, um, all three of us were in a position where we were the first person in our family to pursue a career in the creative industries and mm. um, in media in our case. And we really were lost. I mean, I think anybody who goes into journalism uh, without, you know, having somebody in the family or somebody that they know to really walk them through the process, it can be really scary graduating school, trying to get a job. Um, and we, we just really felt like there was a gap there where there were mentors you could go to, but networking also seemed really scary. Our school provided mentorship with some of our professors, but it wasn't very effective in our cases. Um, we didn't really connect very well with them. So uh, we talked a lot about, you know, what would we want to do? We talked a lot in the years that we had graduated school, just talking about wanting to do something for creative, something for people that would be following a similar path that we were following. Um, and we, you know, bounced around tons of ideas. And eventually we just started talking to people in similar shoes and asking them what they thought would would be effective, what they would want to see in the space. And, and BB Hood is really the product of that, where people said, you know, mentorship would be huge, um, a place to network, a place to build community. Uh, we went to the same school. And so, and I also, yeah, I went to J school at uh, Ryerson, which is now Toronto Metropolitan. Uh, so mm -hmm. I, I hear you. And, and it is, it can be daunting when you, you don't know anybody else uh, kind of in that industry and you are a person of color and there isn't a lot of representation and, uh, and it could just be like, where do you fit in all of this? So I, I guess my question, Nikki, is, you know, many of us see that as a gap, um, why decide that you are going to be the one to fill it? Because you could just see it and be like, yeah, that's a problem, <laughs> but I'm focused on my career. And so why feel compelled then to say I and you know my group of friends, we can actually fill that gap? Because, yeah, I think the gap is across the spectrum with many people and many different industries. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that's in, in all the years, we just celebrated our five-year anniversary with Babyhood oh, and nobody's ever... Thank you. Yeah, nobody's ever asked that exact question as to why we decided that we wanted to do something about it. And as mm -hmm. I think back to that time, um, I'm not sure. I think it was just something within us. I think we saw a gap and and we just didn't want other people to have to face those same challenges if they didn't have to. Like if there if there was a central group, just because, and I think you heard this a lot in J School too, it was always about who you know, yeah. you're going to get a job based off who you know. And that's really terrifying when you know absolutely nobody. 
Um, and so uh, I also had little cousins in, in my family at the time that were thinking about following a similar path. And one decided to go off into law, which I respect. And, and the other one did go down the journalism path. And I loved every minute of being able to be like, oh, okay, or, do you have an interview at the score? Okay, I know somebody who used to work there. I know somebody there now. Let me like get, get you to email him and maybe he can coach you a bit. And and, you know, sometimes that's an unfair advantage, sure, but so many people have that advantage. So being able to, to provide that to somebody in my family and, and then making a place, a collective where these women can go um, when they don't know anybody and they can get connected to people in the industry and they can get advice at the very least. Yeah. Talk to me about the power of representation uh, because Didi Hood is specifically for South Asian women. Um, there is, you know, I, I try to talk to people about this, uh, especially those who are not of color and, and some get it and some don't, uh, because they just think a voice is a voice. Uh, but there is something about someone who looks like you, who understands your worldview a little bit, um, who can help you navigate things that is just different than someone who you can't, you don't have that commonality with. Yeah, absolutely. I always say, um, at least in my case, I really didn't understand the power of representation until I saw it. Mm. And I usually give people the example of, um, you know, our generation, I'm in my 30s now, um, growing up, you know, we didn't really see a lot of people of color um, in, in TV and movies. And it's not like that's something that I recognized as a teenager or preteen. It's not something that I, I noticed as a gap and that I was upset about. But then once I got into my 20s, when, you know, Mindy Kaling came around and when we started to see some some representation, um, I didn't realize the power of seeing a brown woman on screen and being able to relate to that woman um, and, until I actually saw it. And um, I, I joke just uh, with, with anybody I talk to, that's like, oh, you know, really, what like, what's the difference? Um, and, and in the workplace, I think it has a huge impact as well. Um, I had worked in several places where I was the only brown woman in the room, sometimes the only person of color in the room. Um, and, and as much as, you know, I had a, incredible allies as colleagues, but it just feels isolating sometimes. I think people look to you to be an expert for things and, and you just feel like, okay, I, I guess I have to represent all South Asians, which is an incredibly difficult thing to yeah. do. And so um, I, I now work in a place where, you know, there are other brown women there. And, and again, it's like, you don't really understand that, that power and the, and the feeling of connection and that, that, you know, not feeling that isolation until you actually have it. And my husband actually went for a job interview recently and he's half Middle Eastern and half English. And so he doesn't, you know, that, that representation piece doesn't hit home as much for him, but he recently was chatting with somebody and he was like, yep, and this guy on the team is the exact same background as me. And that's so rare for him. Mm. Um, and he came home and he was chatting about it and how cool it was for him. And I was like, yeah, representation matters, doesn't it? And he was just laughing about it. So I was like, yeah, you're so excited because you, you have so much in common with this person and such a similar lived experience. Yeah, absolutely. I'm speaking with Nikki Gill. She's the co-founder of Didi Hood, a mentorship program for South Asian women in media, arts, and creative industries. Nikki, you were talking about, you know, we were ta we were talking about the power of uh, representation. And as you were growing up, not seeing many people who looked like you um, in media, I, you know, I was thinking about that, and I always think about Suhana Marshan 
for me growing up, I'm a little bit older than you, uh, Monica Diol. These are all women of color that I grew up with. I think about Carly Nation and Ian Hannah Mansing. Those were the four people of color that I remember just like I can keenly remember sitting there and watching them and thinking, oh, you know, they might not exactly look like me, but, you know, these are people that look different. And uh, and that those are definitely names that pulled me into to media as well. What we are seeing, though, are a number of people of color leaving the mainstream media world out of frustrations of not hearing their stories told as you help uh, mentor and usher and help South Asian young women fall in love with media and arts and and the creative industries. uh, Do you hear some of that frustration? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I just mentioned that we had our five-year anniversary event and I was chatting with um, some young uh, recent journalism graduates who were working at some of the larger media companies in the city. And it was their first TV hit event and I was chatting away with them and uh, hearing from them that a lot of those same issues are happening in the newsrooms and the teams that they're working with. Um, I think the difference that I saw that that you know gave me some hope and, and a positive light in it was that they were all working not specifically within the exact same team, but at the same company. So they mm-hmm. had either met each other in school or had then met each other at work and they had somebody that was a sounding board that they could just be like, okay, well, my editor said this, and how do you think I should approach it? Or I really think we should do this story, and how do you think I should pitch it? Um, and having that built-in community in their in their workplace. And I do think things are obviously getting better. I think, you know, there's very few people who I think want us to stay in a place where we're not progressing forward. Um, and, and I think everybody would be happy to see, you know, the the newscasters, which I think there there is already a lot of representation Mm -hmm. across newscasters now, but I think those of us who are in the industry sometimes see it um, behind the camera and and behind the the bylines, um, the lack of representation there. And um, it's just a matter of if we create the funnel to have more people going into this business, the chance of more of them getting jobs and moving into those manager positions, those decision maker positions, um, we can help build that representation. Um, but it's absolutely a, a, still an issue where people are getting really burnt out. Um, the, the industry itself is difficult on anybody. It's a stressful place to work, uh, a stressful industry to be a part of. Um, and especially now, there's just been so much with misinformation online and the way journalists are are viewed that that can be really tough on somebody, regardless of their, their race or their gender. Um, so there's definitely a lot of issues that are still at hand. Um, but... Uh, the, the best that we can do at least or where we think we can help is is to provide a network and a community of people that can provide advice and provide support when somebody is dealing with that. And so is the goal with Didi Hood that there is a bit of reciprocity? I know you're only five years in, but that, you know, these women that you're mentoring will then become mentors to others and, and the network will continue to grow? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and yeah, we're five years in, but we've seen a lot of that already. Um, you know, we've, uh, we've seen from our, our initial launch in Toronto in April of 2018, um, the women that were there in that room, some of them were back for our 2023 five-year anniversary party. But, you know, a lot of them are, are you know, older and in their 40s now, but still a huge part of our community. And then being at the event and seeing these recent graduates who have just discovered BBHID and are coming to their first event. Um, and we've had people through our mentorship program that we hold annually each fall who have come in years ago in our first uh, mentorship cohort, which would have been in 2019. 
um, that were a mentee and have come back two or three years later and said, you know what, I think I have some good experience and knowledge here now. I'd love to be a mentor um, and just creating those those um, opportunities. And I know there's at least a handful of people who through the, the networking connections they've made at events or through our community have you know, gotten internships or gotten jobs and been able to work together in, in the same place together. And it's really interesting to just see all of that happen organically. We don't, we don't sit there and make the connections physically ourselves unless we see a gap and say, oh, okay, I know somebody you can talk to, but um, just really creating a space. That's all we've done. And the people who come and, and take up space in that room are the ones who really have built this to be what it is. I love it. Uh, just continuing that network. Um, we love to ask uh, those that come on the show, especially during this segment, uh, a little bit about their thoughts on the city and uh, the issues that they and their friends are are concerned about or interested in. What is top of mind for you? I know the mayoral race is, is a big deal in the city right now. Uh, and there are 102 people vying for the top spot. But what are some issues of concern for you and your friends uh, in, in when it comes to Toronto? Yeah, so um, obviously the mayoral race is, is top of mind. Um, and just when you're hearing... Uh, the debates and, and what the candidates are talking about, uh, what we talk a lot about at home and, and with my group of friends is um, obviously the housing crisis mm-hmm. and um, our mental health crisis and how those two are interlinked and in the gaps that are there. And, and, and it's a difficult, both of those are difficult problems to solve, but there are a lot of issues, a lot of avenues that can be taken. And, and I know a lot of the candidates have, have spoken about some of those things. And, and that's just, you know, really top of mind. Um, I also, like, I've, I've lived in the city, but I'm, I'm based in Mississauga, born and raised in Mississauga. And, and even here, I mean, growing up, we would have never seen somebody experiencing homelessness um, as frequently as we do now, um, right outside my condo. It's happening really across the GTA. And, and it's incredibly disheartening to see that. Um, and just, wishing that we could have more um, support in place, have more solutions that work to, to help these people put a roof over their head and to get the support that they need if they are um, experiencing mental health issues as well. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? I mean, if, you know, if the, if the new mayor said, uh, in order to do that, in order to tackle homelessness, we have to raise taxes, uh, we have to institute more levies. Would that be something that you would be in favor of doing? It's so hard to say. I mean, um, I I always say when you're voting, um, try not to vote in a way of what will benefit me. Yep. Um, don't, don't think of yourself as just a singular person. Think about you know, the issues that you're seeing across your city or your province or your country. And um, think about the person who is is at least voicing solutions that would help people who who need the help probably more than a lot of us do. I'm speaking from a place of privilege for sure. Um, so, you know, sometimes when I look at that and I say, okay, like raising taxes, like I, th- I could, you know, if my property taxes went up a little bit next year, I, th- I think I can manage it. Um, so that's not the end of the world for me. But I mean, to also then think, it's always such a difficult place to be because there are a lot of families who are having already a really hard time making ends meet, especially now with inflation. Um, and, and it's an affordability crisis across all kinds of things. So um, I like, I completely understand that it's an incredibly difficult problem to solve. Um, and, and, you know, people have tried a lot of different options. I think sometimes where i um, afraid of, or at least politicians might be afraid of doing things that are off a a traditional formulaic path that a lot of us um, 
that a lot of us are, are used to, right? Like there are alternative ways, there are alternative housing that we don't always think of, that we don't view as housing here, right? Like somebody could live in a van, but that's technically illegal. Um, there was somebody that was making those tiny homes for people experiencing homelessness that the city years ago had told them to stop. Yeah. Um, you know, people who are trying to create alternative solutions that are far outside of what uh, we've tried before, but they're being discouraged. Um, but it's almost like, like, you know, safety concerns and everything are important, but, you know, we, we, there's so much that we need to try here. We need to be thinking outside the box. Nikki, thank you so much for being on Toronto this weekend. Yes, thank you for having me.